This episode of the Behind the Shield podcast is brought to you by 5.11 Tactical, a company that I've used for well over a decade, and they are offering you a 15% discount on every order. And I will tell you that code in just a moment, but I want to do another product highlight. And I can testify, as with the other ones, through personal experience. I wore a 5.11 uniform way back when I worked for Anaheim Fire in California, so we're talking 13 years ago, and I know for a fact that some of my brothers and sisters I work with still wear some of the clothes that they were given when I was hired there, so some of the job shirts, jackets, and this really kind of resonated with me because I realized so many of the departments I've worked at, there are men and women with lockers crammed with old, worn, frayed uniform. And that really represents wasted budget. So to have uniforms with durability means that you don't have to purchase them as often. Now you can apply that budget elsewhere. Another area they've really focused on is redesigning their women's first responder uniforms. I am a skinny six foot tall man and some of these uniforms I'm issued literally hang off me like a trash bag. And I can imagine it's even worse being a female first responder. So they have really taken that into account and redesigned the cuts so they're far more flattering to the female firefighter, first responder, medic, etc. On top of that, several departments I've worked for have gone from job shirts to polo shirts. 5.11 has those. And then to underline a product I've already talked about, they have the footwear. I wore the CST slip-on boot for a long time from 5.11. And now the Norris sneaker that you've heard me talk about is a lightweight duty boot that puts far less pressure on the ankles and knees, the back, etc. So as I mentioned before, they are offering you guys a continuous 15% discount. And all you have to do is use the code SHIELD at checkout at 511tactical.com. So once again, code SHIELD at 511tactical.com. Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. My name is James Gearing and this is episode 291. And I think the timing of this next episode is absolutely perfect. Not only are we in a strange environment globally at the moment, but some of my recent episodes have been very powerful. So this next episode is with Will Hegedus and Justin Herzog. Will is both FDNY and a strongman. And Justin is a San Diego fireman and a avid crossfitter. So you can imagine East versus West, FDNY versus everyone else, strongman versus crossfit. So not only these guys are best friends, but obviously there's a lot of banter between not just the two of them, but all of us. So there is so much great information coming from those different backgrounds, but obviously a lot of uh, humor thrown in as well. So I think you guys will enjoy this very much, and I hope it is a lighter conversation for you. Before we get to the interview, like I always say, just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this podcast on and subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and then leave a rating. I say this on every episode for a reason. The more ratings that we get, especially five-star, the more visible we become on these charts or these podcast apps. And therefore, the people looking for solutions that are on here, they're able to actually find it. And the other side of this is this has become a library of free content. So I urge you guys to share these episodes, social media, word of mouth, whatever it is, and help grow this podcast so it really can reach every single person on planet Earth that needs to hear it. So with that being said, I introduce to you Will Hegedus and Justin Herzog. Enjoy. Will, Justin, 
welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. Thanks for having us. Stoked to be here, James. All right, first question. Where on planet Earth are we finding you two lovebirds today? <laughs> we are in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, we're in the sunny side neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. We're, um, we're here in Denver for a few days, hanging out with our buddy Levi Sandoval, who's an Adams County, um, Colorado firefighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're hanging out with him um, in Denver for a couple of days. And then we're going up to Breckenridge. Well, I'm going to Breckenridge to snowboard. Billy's too big to snowboard. Yeah, I'm not scared. Kind of like <laughs> Isn't there a snowplow we could ride or something? Uh, yeah, maybe two. Who knows? <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. So I just want to do a little backstory on both of you. So let's start with you, Will. Where were you born and what was your family dynamic? I was born in uh, New Jersey, a small town in Woolbridge. Uh, Mom and dad, um, my dad was a, actually a cop, um, but he was a volunteer fireman. I have a brother and sister. Um, we kind of lived that kind of blue collar emergency service um, family. Um, we grew up in the volunteer service, me and my brother Rivalis, my dad. Um, my sister came along 12 years after. She became a nurse. Uh, and it's kind of different. Like in Jersey, you talk to anybody else around the two. A lot of guys that grew up like me, you test up and down the East Coast. You get in a car, you look for a test like, you know, Fairfax County. Uh, you go to Boston, Philly. Uh, so my brother got D.C. He's been on for about 11 years in D.C. And I got about 12 years coming up in New York City. Brilliant. All right, same question to Justin. So I was born in uh, Maryland, Silver Spring, Maryland. My parents were born and raised in Washington, D.C., and um, they we lived just outside D.C. in Prince George's County, Maryland, um, when I was born and for the first few years. And then we moved across the river to northern Virginia, and Sterling is, is basically my hometown. That's uh, Sterling, Virginia is where I um, lived and went to high school. Um, and I've got five siblings. Um, so we have a big house, we had a big house, a lot of kids. Um, and that's where we lived. Um, and then you want me to get into my story with the fire service or, um, well, yeah, firstly, what did your mom and dad do? Oh, so my, uh, my dad was an accountant by trade. Uh, he worked for airline pilots association. He was the director of finance there for about 25 years. And then my mom, (laughs) my mom had her hands full with us the five of us raising us. And, um, uh, it was, I was very fortunate. I come from a really solid, strong home of, uh, two parents that loved us and, uh, you know, taught us right and wrong, but they also just were examples of faithfulness and, and, uh, generosity and grace with their kids. We were a bunch of knuckleheads. And, um, so I came from a very fortunate background. Brilliant. Well, we'll stay with you for a second. What about sports growing up? So as a kid, sports was everything. Sports was my life. I was convinced that I was going to be, um, you know, center field for the New York Yankees in the majors and then, you know, playing defensive back for some NFL football team. I thought I was going to be Deion Sanders <laughs> when I was growing up. And uh, so I played sports um, through high school. I played football, basketball, and baseball. I tried to play um, baseball in college. I went to Liberty University right out of high school and uh, attempted to walk on. and I didn't make it. Um, and so I realized that it's a lot harder than I thought as I you know, was moving up the ranks in uh, sports and never en- ended up making uh, a college uh, sports team. Right. And then, Will, same question. <laughs> yeah, I'm the total opposite. Uh, <laughs> I maybe played like two years of football in high school. But other than that, I was so passionate about the fire service and EMS that 
my sophomore year of high school, I started taking EMT classes and I started riding ambulance at night. Um, yeah, so I didn't really touch a barbell. So maybe fire service, honestly. I didn't know anything about deadlifting weights or anything in high school. I was more focused on trying to like the fire service aspects of everything. Right. So staying with you then, um, when it got to actually finding a career department and you went to a boot camp, what were your physical preparations? Um, a lot of cardio, actually. Um, I took, um, funny thing, I took kickboxing classes. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, no, I had to get my heart rate up. And, um, I did, all, a lot of, I did a lot of running. All I'm picturing is Napoleon Dynamite right. and that, yeah. uh, whoever that guy that was, was with the American me. flag pants. That was me. <laughs> that was um, I, was, I was also like 225 pounds back in the day, too. So was, in my version, I was a stick. Yeah. Um, a lot of it was push-ups, body weight, sit-ups, pull-ups. Um, mentally, it was kind of more of a mental thing because when you go to the fire academy at The Rock, it's almost like a boot camp for military. Like, it's power military. And at first couple of days, it's scary. Like, I remember walking in and you can't walk on the sidewalk. Like they were like on, you know, tucking your like your shoe pockets. It was scary. I, I was shaking. I've never felt that like, Oh shit moment. Like until I got to the rock. So all my preparations went out the window the first day I was there. Right. So when you say the rock, you're talking about FDMY. Hey, sorry. FDMY. We call our fire academy, the rock. It's on Randall's Island. Yeah. Yeah. So tell um, me about so how you got from volley to getting hired by FDMY. Um, I always looked at that growing up in Jersey, like you look at my backyard, almost you can see the city. So I was like, New York City is in your back, you know, your backyard. Um, it's the biggest apartment in the country. And it's like, like I tell people, it's like playing for the Yankees, you know, it's one of the best apartments in the world. And um, Well, you're rubbing Justin's nose in about the Yankees. Oh, yeah, I got you have to, you know, <laughs> that's, that's what he's here if I'm poking the bear. Well, I'm a Yankees <laughs> fan, so it's good. Yeah, but, yeah. but the party you didn't get to play for him is what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket. I did test other places, but I knew I wanted to be a New York City firefighter. Um, you know, you know, even before 9-11, I wanted to, like, you always look at, like, how, like, tradition they have. Like, they're so old school, and it's just a really good part to be with. And I don't know. It's, I didn't want anywhere else, man. I just wanted New York. And uh, my dreams came true after maybe seven years trying. Right. Now, what, what was it What was it that – got you in was it purely just waiting until you were at a certain point on the list or was there something you did to, differently i had to move i moved to brooklyn with an ex-girlfriend i gotta thank her again for you you know let me stay with her thanks karen um, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um i actually took the, the the leap and i moved to brooklyn and um i got i got residency um i got lucky on a saturday and i scored maybe what 98 Got five points residency, and I was in one of three eighty-three on my list, and I got in. It took me about a year process from the time I tested to the time I was in the academy. Brilliant. All right. Well, Justin, you you were going to start with your journey into fire services, bring you up to speed as well. So, um, just taking me back to college, I was convinced I was going to make a college. I was going to make my college baseball team, and I was going to play college sports. That's really what I wanted to do. When I attempted to walk on after my second year my second attempt i didn't make it um it was a pretty low point for me because sports was everything to me um and i had worked really hard to try to to make it and it just wasn't meant to be um so the fire service was not on my radar at all um and i ended up i was um i ended up dropping out of college uh pretty like disillusioned about 
all my hopes and dreams and all that. Um, moved back in with my parents, moved back up to Sterling, Virginia. Yeah, moved back in with my parents and got a job and was just trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And literally one day I just had this weird thought. What if I became a firefighter? I've, I've been a part of a team my whole life. I've been driven my whole life to be physically fit, you know, and, and I, I have some athletic talent or skill or whatever. And I've always wanted to help people. And there was a firehouse right down the street from my house. Um, the Sterling Volunteer Fire Department has uh, two stations, I think, still in Sterling, Virginia. <clears throat> and one of the stations is in Cascades. It's, it's in my neighborhood. And so one day I just knocked on the door and said, what would, what would it take for me to become a firefighter? And the guy that answered the door was like your quintessential fireman. He had a, you know, nice, nice mustache, you know, like strong guy. And uh, he just said, hey, um, we, we're actually having a meeting where we're bringing in some new volunteers. We'll set you up with a uh, basic fire academy and then uh, you'll start volunteering with us. So that was in June of, uh, or that was in 2000. I started as a volunteer with Sterling Volunteer Fire Department in June of 2000. Volunteered for six months, and then I had an opportunity to move to California, and that was kind of a different chapter in my life. Um, I always wanted to come to California. Growing up on the East Coast, I would watch the West Coast games, um, the Dodgers play, and the Lakers, and the Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders back then. Not anymore. Um, and for some reason I was always just drawn to California. So, um, I had an opportunity to, to come out and, and check it out. So I did in October of 2000, um, I had a friend that was going to a college out here and, um, she just kind of showed me around and I knew that I wanted to come out here. So I ended up coming out to California in January of 2001, went a, a total different path. Um, my first day in California, I actually met a girl and that changed my whole trajectory as it usually does, right? Um, I met a girl that I ended up marrying and I put the fire service on the back burner because I was focused on, you know, life with her and uh, being young. We were so young. We were 24 years old. Um, and so I was working a few jobs to get her through school and all the time thinking about, you know, what I was going to do for a career. Um, and I had a couple of things that came that happened while I was um, while I was doing that. So she was she was studying to be a teacher, and um, I was working uh, three jobs to help get her through school. Um, she was working part time and going to school full time. I was working at this bookstore one day in um, Orange County in Fullerton, California, and this um, firefighter walked into my store and. It was another kind of one of those like epiphanies, right? Like he walked in and I looked at him and I was working at this bookstore. I'd been there for a couple of years and they were trying to move me out. They were offering me like a system manager position or whatever. And I was thinking, man, if I keep doing this, like this is not me. This is not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be doing something else. And when he walked in, I looked at him. I was like, I want to be that guy. You know, like I want to be him. So I walked, I actually walked over to him and said, how you doing? My name's Justin. How do I be you? You know, and uh, his name is Brad Hurst. I know he's Brad a, Hurst. He's an Anaheim he's a, fireman. Anaheim fire captain. Oh, shit. Yeah. He, when he walked into the store, uh, he was just, you know, a super nice guy. Uh, was very, like, he, he wasn't creeped out by this weirdo coming up to him <laughs> saying, hey, I want to be you. you know, like, <laughs> he just shook my hand and he said, well, let's talk about that. If you're serious, why don't you come by the firehouse and we'll do a ride along and we'll talk about it. And uh, so I did. 
cool story about that too is um brad is a great guy brad is like his reputation is pretty incredible i've, I've met numerous firefighters that know him since then and they all rave about him they all talk about you know how respected he is and just um how, very humble great dude you know um and i didn't know any of that i just thought, saw him as a fireman that i wanted to be like when I went to do the ride along, I noticed that I noticed the respect that he got. I noticed, you know, like everybody um, looked up to him <clears throat> and we ran a few calls. I don't even remember the calls, but you know, we got positive attention. Kids were waving to us and all that stuff. People were saying, thank you for your service, all that, that we get often. Um, but the, the defining moment was he sat me down at the end of the ride along and he said, if you're serious about this job, let's talk about the cost. Let's talk about, what this is going to cost you in order to be, to get the privilege to be a firefighter. And he drew me like a roadmap and the sort in the middle of the piece of paper was a job career job as a firefighter. And then he talked about all the different, um, you know, aspects of our lives that, that are going to be affected. Right. He talked about finances. It's going to cost you some money to be able to test and, and, you know, get your fire science degree, maybe, or get your EMT, maybe become a medic, all that stuff. He talked about the, you know, the experience that you're going to get volunteering or taking classes, taking training, you know, going to training sessions, all that stuff. Um, and then he talked about the f effect on your family. He said that if you're going to become a firefighter, it's going to change your life and you should try to get support from your family. They should see that this is not just a job that you're picking up. You're walking into a lifestyle you're, and your whole life is going to be affected by doing this job. And it was amazing to sit down with him at that moment. That was back in 2005, probably. <clears throat> that conversation sobered me about what it means to, what it means to be a firefighter. Um, because it was more than just, hey, we get to ride Big Red, we get to do cool shit, we get to, we get to help people, you know, all that stuff. It changed my perspective and it made me realize that I'm, I'm, I'm walking into a legacy because of all the great people that have come before me, like Brad. And my job, my role as a firefighter is to continue that legacy for the next generation that's coming in. And while I'm in this position as a firefighter, if I, if I am lucky enough to get hired as a firefighter, my overriding focus should be honoring that position. It should be doing the best that I can to fill the shoes that have come before me and to um, challenge the next generation, right? And Brad laid that foundation for me. And that one ride along, it just, I mean, it, it, it changed my whole perspective on what I was getting into and fired me up. It definitely was inspiring. Um, at that time, I was married, and my ex-wife now, she, uh, we, we ended up uh, divorcing uh, when I was on the job with San Diego in 2012. But she was, she was a huge support for me. I mean, she had my back, and she believed in my dream of becoming a career firefighter. And we made a lot of decisions together in order to make it possible for me to become a firefighter. And Brad basically set that up. He... In that one conversation, he basically kind of set up the next few years of my life. Um, so kind of fast forwarding with that, um, after that ride along, um, my ex-wife was from Southern Oregon. We were living in Orange County. I went to Santa Ana College to see about trying to you know, get into their fire science program and I was looking at maybe volunteering, but I was also already working two jobs, you know, working a full-time job and a part-time job. 
she was working part-time. She was finishing up her bachelor's degree. We looked at the prospects of making it in Southern California. We knew that it was going to be difficult. So uh, we decided to move up to Southern Oregon. We moved to Ashland, Oregon, which is just across the California-Oregon border. Um, she went to Southern Oregon University to get a master's degree. And I uh, knocked on the door of Jackson County Fire District 5 and became a volunteer firefighter there in January of 2007. And my first meeting with the division chief there was um, Darren Welburn. Um, he said, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish by being a volunteer? And I said, I want to be a paid firefighter as fast as possible. And two and a half years later, I got hired with San Diego City. And in that two and a half years, I did exactly what he told me to do in that first meeting. He said, um, <laughs> don't burn any bridges. Uh, keep your nose clean. You know, don't make any mistakes that are going to cost you the opportunity to, to take tests, you know, like, you know, drinking and driving or, or making serious mistakes that, you know, uh, uh, damage your integrity and all that stuff. Um, and he said, and just follow what we do. Tell us, do what we tell you to do. Take all the training, go to all the classes, um, you know, spend as much time as you can at the firehouse learning from the guys that are already here. Take the classes to get your EMT, to get your fire science degree, all of that stuff. I did all of that, and I got hired in two and a half years, which I feel very, very lucky that it, it happened so fast for me. And to get hired with San Diego City, which was, in, in all honesty, I'm living my dream by doing what I'm doing. Um, and during that time that I was uh, a volunteer, I was the third. I think I was the 36th volunteer that got hired. So that department is a combination department. There's three stations. There's 24 paid staff, two uh, paid staff on each at each station every day. And then the rest of the staffing was supplemented by volunteers. So you, there were people that were assigned as student firefighters. And so they'd be assigned to a crew. And, and it was our duty to show up, you know, as part of that crew. Um, but then the rest of the time was just spend as much time as you can at the firehouse, respond with a pager when there's a fire or a call or whatever. Um, and so I did that. I, I worked my ass off for two and a half years there and was very lucky to get hired with San Diego City. Um, and the story with that real quick is just my, my wife and I at the time, we decided that we were we either, we were going after this dream of me becoming a career firefighter and I was either going to, we were either going to live in Southern California, Southern Oregon, or the DC area. So I spent a lot of that, um, after I got my EMT certification, I spent a long time testing with numerous departments. Um, I think San Diego city was my eighth test maybe, and, or maybe my eighth interview. I can't remember, but I had been turned down by departments. Like everybody turns you down. Like yeah. you never get that one. No one's ever got that one shot. It's always a rejection, rejection. And out of nowhere, it's like, Oh, there's yeah. a letter like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. How many times? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's a mental process too to go through all that, man. Yeah, now looking back in, in hindsight, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. My dream of becoming a firefighter, when I dreamt about it, I, I wanted to work uh, for a big city because I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be a firefighter in the back. I didn't want to be work for a department that would, um, because of the nature of the department, I would get kind of rushed into promotion. Um, being an ambitious firefighter, I wanted to be in the back for as long as I want to get good at, at, as a firefighter. I mean, it's a craft that we have to hone, you know, and it takes a lot of time and experience. Um, and so that's what I wanted. And also, honestly, I wanted to work in the hood. I wanted to work for a big city and have the opportunity to work in 
a place where I knew that people were going to need us, that there were sick people, that uh, there were fires, and there were, you know, um, people that when they called 911, it was actually that they were in distress. They needed our help. I'm living my dream every day now with San Diego City. I've been on the job there for the last just over 10 years. And uh, every day I show up to work, I'm thinking, man, this is this is actually what I dreamt about. I work in Lincoln Park, which is in southeast San Diego. I ride engine 12 and truck 12. Uh, we rotate back and forth every four shifts. Um, and I, it's a big city. We have uh, 51 stations and not over 900 and like about 950 firefighters now. Um, and I ride in the back. I'm a firefighter. Um, I'm becoming, I'm like fastly becoming a senior firefighter, which is crazy to me with only 10 years on. Um, but it's the nature of the fire service right now. And, um, yeah, every day is like, I can't believe this is what I dreamt about. So I feel very fortunate with my whole journey. Having never thought about being a firefighter when I was in high school or any of that, I was going to be the next Deion Sanders and obviously that didn't work out. Um, so now looking back, it blows me away, you know? That's amazing. Well, we're going to have to wrap up. That was a great story, but uh, we'll <laughs> Hi, I'm here, by the way. Um, I'm just waiting my turn. Maybe we should do our own. I don't know. He we'll do a part two. No, but but you hit on on a couple of very very interesting points. Firstly, for both of you, there was there was a person, an integral person. So obviously, Brad, who you know, like I said, 2005 was when I got hired with Anaheim. So I was probably going through the academy when you were having that conversation with him. Um, but they were, they're were amazing department. There's so many Brad Hurst in that department because they set the bar extremely high. But there's mentorship. So you're talking about, you know, these both those people, the, the, the gentleman at the volunteer station and then Brad as well. You hear so much bitching about whatever generation, the millennials, the, the X factors, the, the Ninja Turtles, whatever the fucking generation we're in now. <laughs> but yet no one talks about finding someone and then shaping them, molding them. I was talking to, I was actually the, the guest on a podcast today and I was telling him I was a farm boy. So I knew how to swing a hammer and muck out stables and wrangle horses and do a lot of medical stuff with my dad who was a vet. But I didn't know about bowstring roof construction or how to take apart a chainsaw, you know. So people took the time to show me that. And that's the thing that seems to have been lost in that discussion about them versus us, whether it's generational, whatever it is, is that it's up to the senior fireman. And I was a fireman the whole my whole career as well, 14 years, and I loved that position. I never even wanted to go to the front seat. Is A, someone showed us. You got to where you were by being taught. So it is on you to pay it forward. And of course, if you show someone 10 times, they're not getting it, you have a problem. But if you don't take these people under your wing and, and show them and get them fired up, how the hell are you going to change your station? Yeah, absolutely. What's a station? Firehouse. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's an East Coast West Coast thing right there. <clears throat> All right, and the same with you, Will. I mean, no, it wasn't so much a mentorship, but from the perspective of so many people, especially when I first came on, I was extremely lucky, but there were so many guys, especially on the California side, that have been testing four, five, six years. And to, to make people realize that when you're in the right place at the right time, and it took a girlfriend to get you in the right zip code to really move it forward, that you just got to you got to trust the fact that if it's what you're meant to do, it will happen. It just may take a very unusual 
form, whether it's a girlfriend well, like, I, or I, I even go to like even that metro shit, like I, you know, praise my parents for helping us. You know, they knew we want to move out. Like me and my brother could have been firefighters in Woodbridge, our hometown. Like, you know, that's where we live, but we wanted to go outside. We wanted to go to a big city. So I actually kind of credit my parents for actually helping us. Like, you know, the, the, what do they call it? The empty nest syndrome. Like my mom had it because we moved, but she was always behind us. You know, she definitely like, she pushed us in the right direction. So I give her a lot of credit for that because the day I got on the fire department, she went to the hospital. She had a panic attack because she, she, she was happy for me, but then she also was like, so like shit scared. I'll never forget that. I brought all my like stuff home from the quartermaster and she, she went to the hospital. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it is, though. It is. My ex-wife, we went and watched uh, Ladder 49 the day I finished the academy. <laughs> and she used to ball, bald all the way home. I'm like, it's okay. I'm never going to be on a truck. That's truck work. And then I got assigned to a truck and never told her. But regardless. <laughs> That's great. Um, so the other thing is, so let's talk about that for a moment because you're absolutely right. There is a culture of flying up the ladders in, in small departments, I'm sure, but definitely in, in some of the larger departments. And, you know, horses for courses, some people are meant to be at the pump panel. Some people are, are meant to be on the front seat, but there there's often the wrong driving factor. It's not the desire to be in that role. It's more like a pay scale or, you know, whatever it is. So what from the FDNY side, because, I mean, and I've seen the, the departments that I am in FDNY. Is there a lot of pressure to promote, or are you such a big organization? And is it is it paid enough where you can settle in the senior fireman spot if if that's what you want to do? Um, there's no pressure to promote. Um, like I'm assigned to a truck, I can set up my whole career. Um, I'm in a really good house. I'm in seven truck in Midtown East. Um. You know, I have some good senior men there, you know, like they've been there for 30, 35 years. You know, yeah, like, it's awesome. I, I feel like New York City and when we go to the East Coast, West Coast thing, like there's a lot of tradition in New York City that I'm proud of. And one of them is the senior men. You know, I've seen senior men come into the firehouse and it's like, oh, he's taking a detail. Guys are fighting to take his detail. You know, he has a 12 by and he'll sit there with you. And, you know, you're not going to sleep at two o'clock because like you're trying to take him out. Like, you know, like he, there's so much like tradition and like... I don't know. It's just a really good feeling where it's like you have a good senior man, you have a good house. Um, so there definitely is no pressure to promote. If you want to, it's great. Um, um, in New York City, though, sometimes like if you promote, you have to leave your house. You have to go to another like borough, even. So some guys don't want to do that. Um, like right now, I'm studying. I'm I'm trying to get promoted. Uh, I got almost twelve years on. I think it's my time. You know, um, not even for the pay raise. It's just you know. What we talked about before is I like, you know, teaching guys. I would like to be a good boss that, you know, one day, hey, we're going to have a drill and we're going to talk about this, you know. Um, it's my own. No one's pushing me to promote. Let's put it that way. You can do it on your own terms. You can do it with five years. You can do it with 20 years. Um, I just think my personal, like, feelings is I wanted 10 years as a firefighter because I don't want to be a boss at, like, five, six years where, you know, I didn't know anything. I want to learn the job. There's so much to learn on our job, you know. And working in Manhattan, there's so much to, to learn in Manhattan. Like, if I tell you not what a slither building is, you probably wouldn't even know, right? You know, like, there's so many like things you got to learn. It just opens up your mind like, wow. So I'm taking it all in right now. But now I got over 10 years. I think it's my time to promote. Yeah, well, that's good. And that's when you're ready. I used to have a, a 10-10-5 plan of, you know, 10, 10 years as a fireman, 10 years as a lieutenant, 
um, or captain in California it would have been, and then five maybe as a BC. But then when I got to 10 years, I was like, well, maybe five more. <laughs> so five I'm, I'm the same way. I thought the same way. Like, yeah, maybe. And that's the thing, too. New York staff, like, we're so big that out of my whole career right now, I've never worked outside of Manhattan. And there's four of the boroughs. I don't even know how to work. Like, there's so many. Like, the Bronx is, like, you know, multiple dwellings. Brooklyn's got brownstones. Staten Island's got private dwellings. I've never worked there before. We're so big. That's why, like, you always hear, like, hey, my so-and-so friend's on the job. It's like, yeah, my so-and-so because I, there's so many guys. So to me, it's like, I like, I like working around because I'm more experienced at the type of buildings I have. Yeah. Well, and it's very specific, isn't it? It's funny when you talk, you know, people are like, they, they, they act as though tactics are going to work wherever you are. And it's, you know, you compare just like you said, the brownstone versus the high rise. I mean, there are so many different elements to each. And that's why I really hate when they will move crews just just to to break them up oh they're too close and they start spreading everyone there's nothing there's no substitute for a crew that's cohesive that's worked together that knows their first due that knows where the you know the pump panels are where you know whatever it is the, the back roads that are blocked the, the fences that are in a way and as soon as you, it, you know yeah like, so many things that you don't know about like hey you know we just drilled on that oh shit we had a fire Hey, wow, we just drilled out the other day. Okay, now I know I got to go through the front door to get a portable to the rear. You know, it's, it's great. And then, like, even Manhattan, like, you're going, what, sometimes 200, you know, feet below ground for stuff? It's insane. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, most firemen wouldn't know how to how to respond to the subway. You know, there's yeah, someone you know, under a train. What do you do? Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, one knows what the, yeah, no one knows what the yellow box is, you know? Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, Justin, you, you said again right now you're staying as a fireman. So what's kind of your philosophy on that? Well, I think what's going on in the fire service across the country is we're losing a lot of great experience, and um, you know, yeah. just just because of the nature of things, you know, um, we're as as far as San Diego City, we're a lot of great experienced firemen are re, are retiring, and we're losing all of that experience, that expertise, that knowledge that you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Knowing. Um, not only their district, but knowing the whole city. Um, and, you know, in San Diego, it's unique because we have the combination of uh, wildland and structure firefighting. So we're, we have the urban interface and all that, which is a total. I have no idea with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I have no idea how to fight a wildland fire. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, Will, Billy, I don't know who Will is, but yeah, Billy is uh, well versed with high rise firefighting. And although we, we train really hard with that in San Diego, we don't do that nearly as much as we do canyon fires, you know. Um, well, I mean, that was the hook with the high rises. Like when I was a Bali, you know, you see a header from like two blocks away. Oh, we got smoke showing. I pulled to a high rise fire. I get to the fire floor and there's nothing showing because the door's closed. Like that's mind boggling to me when I first got on the job. Usually you're like, oh, I, we have a fire out, boys, let's get ready. Now I'm on the floor of the fire and I'm like, Where's the fire? It's behind the door. It's ripping. You never know. It's so it's so mind-boggling about how like fire works and like different types of buildings and everything. Yeah, and the, the positions that we are on the, um, no matter where you're at on the rig, uh, it's important that you're good wherever you're at. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. sometimes because of the way that the fire service is right now, with a lot of people that are, um, you know, feeling pressure to promote quickly. Uh, whether it's financial or it's just pressure in house or whatever, they feel like they're getting stagnant or whatever it is. Um, Sometimes you lose that experience and it's really important to have that in order to be able to, 
to, to uh, be good wherever you're at. Right. So, um, in every fire Academy there, in my opinion, there should be, you know, people that want to be chiefs, people that want to be captains, people that want to be engineers, people that want to be firefighters in order to fill those positions for their entire career. I think it's important to have diversity, to not have everybody that's in the academy all want to be the chief, all want to be captains or whatever. But that goes back to what we were talking about. Is that I think every firehouse needs a good senior man. Too. Absolutely. If and you don't have a good senior man in the firehouse, like it just trickles down. So like in New York City, it's senior man, middle management, and junior guys. Right. Usually middle management helps junior guys, but the senior guy is the guy that has a say in the firehouse. You know? And so sometimes what happens is a good, ambitious firefighter with five years on the job feels pressure to promote to the next position instead of staying in that position as a firefighter and understanding the amount of influence that they can have growing into that position as a senior firefighter. Everybody has different goals with their career and different, you know, um, just different expectations, you know, different desires or whatever. When I was in fire Academy, I wanted to be a career firefighter. I love the challenge of that. I wanted to be, I want to be a senior man. Um, with 10 years on with my department, I'm, I'm becoming the senior firefighter and that's like, I still feel like it comes I'm out of nowhere, right? Yeah. I still feel like nowhere, I'm really right? yeah. that's exactly what happened in my station that I, I went from the junior firefighter to a senior fire to the senior firefighter at my, on my division at my station, um, because of promotions, the three firefighters that I was working with all got promoted to engineer and out of nowhere, all of a sudden I'm the senior guy on my division. And with that comes big responsibility and big expectations. Um, and you have to live up to that. I, when I came on the job, I looked at the senior firefighters that had 15, 20 years on the job. And I said, I want to be like them. Those, th those are my role models. Those are the guys that I want to be like. And now with 10 years on the job, people are looking to me to be that. And that's, that's scary. That's a humbling, uh, you know, uh, prospect to have to live up to. So, and with it comes the challenge, right? Like to, to stay physically fit, um, to stay up on your skills, to not get complacent, to not get uh, too comfortable, you know, to be challenged and have fun every single day. That's the whole goal of, you know, for me of the job is every day be challenged, be um, pushed, uh, you know, to be the best firefighter I could be. And, um, and now I got a lot of guys that are looking at me <laughs> to be that senior guy. And well, so sometimes it's actually good to have a probe in the house because now you go over the tools, you go to rig again. And now you're like, wow, okay, let's drill. Let's get into it again. Like it's a good feeling to like help this kid. Well, it's really easy too. When I got hired at 30, 30 years old, old and I man. thought, wow, yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be wow. fine being a, 30? A firefighter when I'm 55, 56 years old. Well, I'm 41 now. Yeah, I'm 41 now, and I can feel it. I'm, I can feel like it's hard. You know, I got to look at though. How about that? <laughs> well, let's 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 interrupt for a second because there's an interesting observation of that. So, because I'm 45, almost 46, so I retired when I was 45. <laughs> wow. So, Will, what's your work week? How many hours? Is it 42? Uh it's it's 42. It depends. Um. So we're, we're not the traditional fire departments where like the 24, 48s. We do nines and 15s. So we do nine hour days, uh, 15 hour nights, but we can make a uh, mutual to do 24. So we can, it's always, um, it's always different. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, but if you do um, 24s, you can make it 24, 72 technically. We can, we can work on that. Yeah. Or like, you know, so, um, 
it's different. Um, so like if I ever date a girl and she asks me my schedule, which I lose her like the first five seconds, I just tell her, you know, what do you get off? Like, it, it makes her happy. But um, yeah, we're, we're different. <laughs> like, for example, we went to um, so we're we're in Denver City, Levi. He's Adams County. I walked through the firehouse. There's four fridges. I and it, I was like mind boggled. Like, why do you guys have four fridges? Oh, because we have four like groups. I'm like, what's that? We don't have that in New York City. We all work with each other. So it's it's cool. Like that's when we get back to how I know Justin. It's like same thing. Justin's firehouse has four refrigerators. I didn't know what that meant. Um, so it's good to, like to see what all the fire departments do. So tell me about that. The the four fridges that four different shifts. Yeah, they get their own fridge. I guess right. You can order right. Well, so we do a fifty six hour work week. We're twenty four on, twenty four off for a four day cycle. So basically, in a period of seven days, we're on off, on off. So on for that seven days, and then we either get four days off in a row or six days. Um, the way that that schedule works, we have three different divisions, A, B, and C, which is pretty common like around the country. The FDMI yeah, is way different. But, um, so we have, we have three fridges. Actually, we have five fridges in our kitchen because uh, we, <laughs> we have two condo fridges that we all share. But each division has their own fridge uh, because we cook – uh, lunch and dinner and usually breakfast every day for each other. Um, so that's, that's how our, <laughs> that's how our, uh, firehouse kitchen works. Yeah. So, so my observation is this, you got two gentlemen that are close friends, do exactly the same fucking job, even work through O2X, work through 555 in the same country. And Will does 42 hours a week and Justin does 56 hours a week. And this is one of the things I'm trying to get the profession to understand is that I think the 42-hour work week is exactly what we should be doing. That's almost like a civilian work week, but the 56 has gone like just – it's crazy. And so when you're talking about aging, in the grand scale of things, in a native tribe, is 41 years old old? Absolutely not. But in a fire service where we work 56-hour work weeks – by the time you get to your 40s, you're literally falling apart, even if you take your job seriously because you're not getting the rest and recovery for your body to heal from that extra training that you do because you're an aggressive firefighter. Oh, it definitely, definitely does something to your body. I feel it. I'm 36, and I don't know how you feel, but... Yeah, you don't look a day over 40, too, so... I lost my hair at 12, so there's something in common that you said. But you see what I'm saying? Like the same yeah, job, same absolutely. profession. If we if we were in the trucking industry or the airline industry or the shipping industry, there's an industry standard. So how in an industry where we get up in the middle of the night and search a burning building, pull a child out and then work pediatric code you know, medications and algorithms on them, are we a profession where we work 56, you know? And, and in the same country, we have brothers and sisters that work 42. That's what drives me crazy and that's where even though I paid union dues for 15 years, I'm like, isn't that the fucking 101 of what a union does is working conditions? How have we allowed this disparity between each of our counties and cities across the country? Yeah, I, I understand it's a complex issue. Like it's it seems really cut and dry, but um, I'm not on I'm not on our union board. I'm a proud union member, you know, and all that. And I, I support the decisions that they make. I know it's complex. I know it's more complex than just that, but yeah, it would make a huge difference if we, you know, had a schedule that was more conducive to recovery, you know, not, not so much driven by production, but more driven by, you know, the opportunity to work hard and then rest to be able to, to get back to that 
um, you know, to get back on shift and be ready to go. I think that our schedule is definitely not the best. It's not the worst, but uh, it's hard to get that recovery in the in between days. And then it also gets into what you talk about with the sleep is that, yeah, you might go to work and, you know, people ask you, oh, do you sleep? You, you do, but it's not good sleep. You're always at that state of readiness. So it's not like when you're at home, you, have, you know, versus home versus the firehouse. Like it's not, it's two different like kind of sleeps. Like it's, you're sitting there in bed, like when's it going to go off? Like when we're going to, you know, or it's like every other hour, like you get that deep sleep and you're out. So I don't, you know, my sleep, my sleep patterns are all messed up still. Um, I remember when I was married, like my ex-wife wanted to go to bed at 930. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm up to 12 because that's what I did in the firehouse. You know, it's just how, you know, you live. It's crazy. You're, you're used to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that's the problem is that we do, you know, and then as you see, our men and women start dropping like flies. And my thing is in the sports community and the tactical community, as far as special operations, they understand the rest and recovery piece and, and we don't, you know, and it's the thing is I know with that's the beautiful thing about not working for anymore. I can actually speak freely now and say, but i can say like what the fuck are you doing you know like seriously pull your head out your ass it's 2020 we need to change this and and if and the money that you're wasting killing your firefighters you could have saved tenfold if you just invested in them and actually created a, a work week that was you know optimal so that when you return back to work you're as close to baseline as you could possibly be so that that's my thing is it's, you know, here we are talking to two people and Justin works basically two full work days more than Will doing the same job, you know? So, um, yeah, you, you guys don't have to speak against it because <laughs> you're in, you're in that. But I mean, I, I, I can't help but highlight this because this is one of the main reasons we have the mental and physical health issues that we have. So I want to touch on that real quick. I know we're going to go into it a little bit later. Um, O2X. I just got back from, uh, DC. Um, working with them, and um, they have this awesome portal that I'm glad that the DC Fire Department actually, you know, paid for for all their members, and it goes into. Um, well, we'll go with the OTEX a little bit with the East Sweat Thrive, but like their Thrive part is all about sleep and like mental health, and you know, I'm happy that there are departments out there that are pushing this now because five, ten years ago there was companies like this out there. No one knew how to do like sleep patterns or like sleep studies. Like I have sleep apnea. I didn't know that. Um, there's so much stuff out there, which I'm proud to say, like O2X is helping. You know, like there are there are departments that are finally realizing it. I guess you almost say, you know. And I'm, you know, proud that it's happening. It's a small step, but it's happening. Yeah. And my whole thing with this project is this: this things that are out of our control. The, 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 that's what it is. You know, if a plane falls out of the sky and and crashes into a building, no one knew that was going to happen. But when there's people, things that are killing our men and women that are completely preventable, then you have to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. And that's yeah. kind of my no, take. Yeah. Con so Control the controllable. Yes, that's what it's yes, all about. Exactly. Exactly, which is what we preach we do on the fire ground, yet we don't do it with our people. All right. Well, then, so what I want to do, get away from that now, it's my soapbox moment, um, <laughs> is – from each of you visiting each other's departments, so obviously far west and far east, far east coasts, tell me something that you saw the other department do that you thought, wow, that's a great idea. I should take that back to my department. Not that I'm the best, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me. <laughs> 
Sorry. That an FDNY firefighter is going to learn something from a San Diego not, City firefighter. You're crazy, dude. I know my boys are listening to this. I cannot. My balls going to get broke in the kitchen. I was taught we're the best. Everybody else, you know. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm not even going into like what I learned. Um, I was more so with Zog. Um, I have actually a good friend, Dave Hay. He's an uh, L.A. County firefighter. Um, I met him, you know, went to a firehouse. Uh, we'll get to that story another day. That was me being dumb, met a girl, went to L.A., didn't know anybody. Yeah, ended up in that war talk. All your stories <laughs> with. It's always a girl. I know. It's always a, and then, yeah. That's why I have you as, like, an older brother now. Yeah. Um, um, what I think is crazy, so a truck company in New York City, right? We're aggressive. The truck company flies the fire, you know, we search and rescue that stuff. When you go to LA or like any, any in the West Coast, a lot of truck companies go right to the roof. And I'm like, what? Like, I was like, oh yeah, the captain and the whole crew goes to the roof and vents. I'm like, well, who, who finds the fire? You know, like, I'm so used to East Coast firefighting and the aggressiveness and all that stuff. Not saying they're not aggressive, it's just my, I was like culture shocked that knowing that their tactics are different than ours. You know, and like I was just like, wait a minute, but truck company gets finds the fire. They open the door. And we're like, you know, truck appreciation day is like metal day, you know. And um, you go to the West Coast, it's so different. You know, or I'm in a I'm in a really really good spot where we ride six guys in our truck. No other department in the country does that, right? But we all have positions. So I'll go to the West Coast down south, and they're like, oh, we ride three in a truck. I'm like, wait, what? Like, how, how do you do it? So, I mean, I give them a lot more credit and like respect for that, but it just blows my mind that every guy in New York City has a position, and it's a position that has to be done. I know we're a big city and all that stuff, but you go out west, and it's like, yeah, we ride four in a truck, five in a truck. I'm like, how? So I think I give them a little more respect because they they do more with less, you know? Yeah, what's that you said as well? It's specific to the buildings. If you've got a multi-story building you're not going to be automatically venting over the fire because you might have a second story fire in a five story building. Whereas when I worked in Anaheim, I was on a truck company too. We rode four man on the tiller and nine times out of 10, you were literally venting over the fire. So it made sense there. But I think that's it is you can't then say, oh, Mittendorf sucks or FDNY sucks. Well, it depends where you are and what you're assigned to specifically. Yeah, I, I just think the bottom line is that, you know, as a firefighter, we should all be learners, right? Like, you, I remember being going through my first basic fire academy, and some salty veteran firefighter said, you're going to forget more things than, you, than you'll learn. And I had, I was like, man, what the hell does that mean? Like, I don't, that doesn't even make any sense. That <laughs> but now I understand it, because through all the training, I've, I've been in the fire service now for just over 13 years, oh, and I'm still new. I'm still, oh, you know, oh, learning oh, that time. You dropped something over there. What I dropped. Your time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, from the very beginning, that what he was trying to say was be a learner. Learn every single day. So I think the biggest thing is that we learn from each other. The job is different in New York City, in Manhattan, you know, like. Yeah, uh, uh, so when Billy goes to work, his, jo- his job standard is going to be different because the 911 calls that he's going to are going to be different than what I get in Lincoln Park in San Diego. And so you have to meet that standard. That's that's the standard. The standard is why are people calling 911? So if he, if he were to show up to a, a canyon that was on fire with houses. I, I drop back and punt. Yeah. Honestly. With, with houses that are on the canyon rim, you know, in uh, danger of the fire actually catching them. Like, I wouldn't know what to do. He wouldn't know what to do. I mean, yeah. I, 
try my best, but I wouldn't know them. And like you said, when we show up to a fire, the the pump goes inside and the truck goes to the roof. That's what we do. And you know, for as dangerous as that seems to other people around the country, when you have the resources and you're fast and you're well trained, you can accomplish that really easily. And the goal of the truck is to help the pump solve the problem. Right? The problem is that the, there's a fire inside, so you create. Um, a heat hole so that all the heat and the smoke and everything um, enables the it goes up and it enables the pump to get deeper to find the seat of the fire and put the fire out to solve the problem so we're not just haphazardly going to the roof like we're cowboys or something like this we're well trained and we, we, we work on it all the time just like you know the fdny uh, crews do with their high-rise fires you know with all the stuff that they deal with subways you know like i wouldn't i don't know what to do in that situation so i think the biggest thing is that we're all learners we learn from each other and if you can stay if you remember that you don't know everything you're learning every day you know that's gonna help lead to a lot of success in your life and in the fire service and then, and then real quick i, I want to touch on what you're talking about like east coast west coast not even like firefighters like um you know you interviewed amanda marsh remember that lady oh my gosh she's a sweetheart like yeah. She came to New York City, and we uh, we got together, and um, we went to the 9 Museum, but we went with a couple of smoke jumpers, and I was like in awe of them. I'm like, oh my God, you guys jump out of a plane. But then they were in awe of me that I'm with the high-rise fires. Like, it was like a mind being like, wow. We were both in awe of each other. Yeah. So it's like, yo, you jump out of a plane, but you, you climb high-rise fires. Like, we were both like kind of like that thing where you know, it's a crazy job, but we all do different jobs, but we're all like the same thing. We're all like humble it's probably all humble about it you yeah know? this part is it's the respect is understanding you know our role as firefighters and um and and just being a part of the fire service like and it's an honor for us you know to be able to do it and we're learning from each other we're learning to it's how to get better you know so um, i know i can't be a smoke jumper too big yeah he's too big to jump <laughs> <laughs> you're too big to fit in the helicopter they, told, they, they <laughs> were making fun of me they told me i was too big <laughs> but it's, it's hurt my feelings a little bit. <laughs> but I think the the key is this humility, isn't it? Because you, you know, oh, we do it differently. Okay, that's great. But it, learn from each other. Absor like Bruce Lee said, "Absorb what is useful, discard what's useless." If you're going to be a wildland fireman, of course, most things in high rise may not pertain. But there might be some forceful entry thing that you saw where you get to a house right on the on the interface. And you're like, fuck, I've got to force that door. I've never seen that kind of door before. They got it all reinforced because they think it's some sort of protection against a fire. But I remember doing this thing at this fire conference where actually I know how to get past that lock. You know, you, you add it yeah, to yeah, your toolbox. Yeah. But arrogance and ego is the absolute enemy when people start saying, oh, it's stupid getting on a roof. It's dangerous. You know, and I, I heard that when I came back to Florida after the West Coast. And I'd be like, let me get me straight. So you're saying it's dangerous to put two guys on a quickly cut heat hole Versus two engine companies under the fucking roof that you think is going to jangle on their head in just one second. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't even make any sense. No, right. We agree. Yeah. Say again? You got to be humble this job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then and you try it. Don't just, just discard it, but actually put yourself through some training scenarios and be like, hey, I saw this. This is this, this load, you know, this coil, this whatever. Let's try it in our stairwell. Ah, you know what? It didn't work because our stairwells are different. We've got this plumbing, whatever. All right. Well, exactly. at, least, at least you tried it. But you might have an aha moment like, holy shit, if I carry this coil on off high-rise evolutions, I can throw it over my shoulder. That gives me two free hands to carry other stuff. This is awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And we need to continue to learn to keep up with 
the people that are calling 911, right? Because, I mean, look at where the fire service is at now compared to where it was 20 years ago. Exactly. With all the hazmat calls that we go on with, you know, the compliance space rescues. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, the just, uh, violent like, attacks too, the shootings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah active know. shootings, like all this stuff. We have stuff. terrorist task force now. Like, there's yeah. so many trainings we have to do now, ERP. Our problem, our, our, our job is to solve problems. People call us because they have a problem and it's a wide variety of problems that we're supposed See, to solve. That's, that's why me and Justin get along. Like, yeah. you hear these things like, and I, me and Justin talked about the other day actually, like, oh my God, you're fine and you know, everybody's running out and you're running in. I was like, no. Like, you're calling me probably on your worst day and you need a problem solved and that's what we do. Yeah. We'll find a way to solve your problem and that's what a firefighter's, you know, they do now. You look him right in the eye and you say, I fight what you fear. <laughs> Are you single? No, I'm <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned earlier about, about fitness, you know, and getting prepared for the job and maintaining that in the job. So let's start with you, Will. I don't want to have to fucking you- <laughs> window. Trust so, me. Oh, my God. So you I'm were – well, let's say, so you prepared. You did your Taibo and you were ready for uh, – a career. Hi, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep that bag really hard, okay? <laughs> so, the trainer was hot. So how did that lead to the strongman world? Um, Wow. Um, Honestly, um, like I told you before, I never touched the barbell before. I didn't know what a deadlift was. So I was 235 at the end of pro school, okay? So um, living my life, you know, with the fire services, we, you know, I, I tell people this, when you get to the fire service, the first thing I remember, I get there was, Everything was fried, whole milk. Um, nothing was healthy. It was all like goodies, like people drop by. So, um, you know, promotion parties, going out, like um, bad sleeping patterns. So, like, it wasn't like I jumped up to a weight in a year. It was like every five, like five to ten pounds every year. Um, so I remember I got married. Uh, this is like ten, like maybe eight years after I got on. I got married, loving life. I went back to the firehouse. And we had a call for a phone along for fire. I get on the rig and I can't button my bunker pants. I had to use a carabiner. I was really fucking embarrassed. I was in shame. I'm like, oh my God. Um, so what happened was is I went to a CrossFit gym. No offense. Um, <laughs> you said the C word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I don't like that word a lot. Um, and the problem is I was over 300 pounds. Um, so I went from 235 within eight years of 300 pounds. A little over 300 pounds, and I didn't know it because, like, oh, you know, I'll just go to quartermaster and get the like, new pants. Like, oh, you know what? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll fucking run the next day and I'll, I'll get rid of the weight, but it didn't come off. Um, so I went to a CrossFit gym in Brooklyn, and I walked in. Sorry again, and uh, guys were with their shirts off, like doing these weird muscle up things. Looked like they were twitching. Um, <laughs> handstand pull up. I'm like, what is, is he this having stuff? a seizure or is yeah, he doing like, a yeah, What's going on here? You said handstand pull ups. Yeah, wherever the fuck they do, I don't know. It was crazy shit. I couldn't do it. So I walked out halfway through the workout, and um, I was really depressed. And thank you to my ex-wife now. Um, her trainer for her wedding was like, hey, she gets like, this like trollman stuff. You should go check it out. So I remember calling the guy. His name's Hans. It's great. You think about strongman Hans. You can't get any better than this. And um, I walk into his gym. There's like these big dudes. Like I mean, like twice the size of me. Like throwing weight around, screaming. I'm like, where am I? And I sat down, a little nervous. I'm signing the release forms, and he looked at me. He goes, "You want to get big? Sign the papers." I'm like, "Yes, sir." And he put me through a workout, and he killed me. Like I did a hundred pound sandbag. I did like a three hundred pound tire flip. 
I did a log and it, it crushed me, but I felt like, I was like, this is what I belong in. Um, and I talked to him, I was like, thank you for putting that through it. And he kind of gave me like a preview of strongman. So strongman is functional fitness. What's the fire department? Functional fitness. It's endurance, it's cardio, it's strength training, all in one. So how many times do you hear somebody saying, hey, I'm going to cut, then bulk. I'm going to bulk, then cut. So I started at 310 pounds. I'm down to about 280 right now. But my, my waistline went down. My cardio went up. My strength went up. I actually got muscles now. Oh, my God. Um, and I had to learn how to accept being a big guy. I knew I'm never going to look like Justin with 10-pack abs. So, come on. Oh, come on. That's what you live on with that mustache, too. Come on. And um, <laughs> um, so I knew I, I, had to, I had to mentally tell myself that you're in a profession now with this strong man that you're going to be a big guy no matter what. You're not going to have the aesthetics. Love you. Um, you're just going to be big. You're going to be strong. You're going to be fast. Um, so I started strongman for a year and how I got into the bravest strongman club was I was at my first competition. I was like shitting bricks. It was almost being like the Academy again. I didn't know anything about it. And this guy walks in, he's wearing fire department shirt from Long Island. I'm like, oh, this guy's fine. So the guy Hans is like, oh, this is Eric. He's a fireman. Nice to meet you, whatever. And he pulled me aside. He goes, Hey kid, listen, you're fireman. I was like, yeah. He goes, I'm going to give you tips. I'm going to give you this. And through the whole event, he helped me. And I was like, wow, this is like a firehouse. Like, it was a brotherhood. Like, he didn't know who I was five minutes ago. But now this guy's coaching me. So I was like, there's got to be other firemen out there that do this. So I started the club. And little by little, I was getting DMs from guys like, hey, I do strong, man. I do strong, man. Hey, you know, when do you guys want to live together? When do you want to do a meet? And Hans is such a sweetheart of a guy. Where Justin, man, I'm like, you go to his gym, the first workout's on him. Like, he don't ask you for a fucking dropping fee. He'll give you tips. Like, he loves firemen. He loves firemen cops. And, like, that's the kind of, ball, like, you know, the, um, the gym it is. And um, it just picked up steam where, like, guys around the country start DMing me. Like, I do strongman. I do strongman. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, let's do an event together. And it, it came to be. That's how the, the Brave Strongman came. It's like, it's not just me. It's, it's a group of us. I want to show guys out there that you're big. You're fast, you're strong, and we're there for you. You know, you're not alone. Because like, I'm not making fun of CrossFit right now. I'm telling you, like, CrossFit, CrossFit is huge in this country. There's so many firefighter and, like, tactical athletes that use CrossFit. But there's also a lot of firefighters out there. And, fire, you know, men and women are firefighters that do strong man, strong women. And it's great for our job. Yeah, well, you probably heard me talking about StrongFit, you know, Julian Pinot and how I yeah, incorporated yeah. Strongman into mine. And that's what I realized is strong, excuse me, CrossFit is amazing, but we didn't do a lot of weight over distance, whether it's push, pull, carry, drag, which is what we use. So the cardio was there, you know, the, the strength was exactly, there, exactly, but the specificity like, wasn't. Like I use Brute Force, um, I don't know, like Brute Force sandbags. Um, they used to make a heavy hitter, it was a 200 pound bag. So think about strongman, right? Think about an ideal age. You only get the guy out of the ideal age. So now think, think of making a 200-pound standby that's dead weight every time you put it down, which is what a, a civilian is, and you're moving 50 feet. That kind of relates to your job. Or if you find somebody, you're moving them 50 feet out of the ideal age. And it, they say it's cardio, it's endurance, and it's strength. Yeah, and farmers carry. I mean, how many times do you have to park well away from where exactly, you're you know? Yeah, so, all right, well then, Justin, over to you on the CrossFit path. Yes, let's hear about CrossFit, Justin. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here. 
Oh no, he already took his shirt off already. I was shirt's off. Oh my god. Sorry, I'm out of breath. I was just doing some handstand pull-ups. <laughs> and so, some bro. some double overs. I, I don't know what they are, but I saw them. <laughs> um so uh backing up to when I became a volunteer firefighter with Jackson County um fire district five in, in Oregon. Um I knew I wasn't I, I felt like I wasn't fit enough to be a firefighter. Um, even though I had the background of playing sports and was an athlete my whole life, I felt like, um, I needed to be stronger. I needed to be faster, better, just more fit. So, um, the first thing that I found was a 300 workout, um, which I found online. And apparently it was the workout that the, uh, cast of 300 did for, for, for the movie, perhaps basically to get them ripped. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and I, and I found it and I thought, wow, this is cool. Like it's a variety of movements that you're doing as fast as you can basically, but like safely, but as fast as you can trying to get you more functionally fit. And yeah, you're going to get, you're going to lose some weight and lose some body fat. But <clears throat> the goal for me was to be more functionally fit, more fit for the job through finding 300 workout. I then found CrossFit. Um, and was really casual with it when I first started. I just was like, oh, this is cool. They have a website. They have a workout every day. They'll show you like a video of how to do the workout, blah, blah, blah. It was very basic when I first started back then. Um, and then when I got hired with San Diego City, we actually did CrossFit as part of our PT um, in the academy. And so that was my real introduction to like, uh, I guess, formalized CrossFit. Um, and I thought it was cool, but I was, still wasn't kind of, I wasn't sold on it. And then, um, early in my career with San Diego in about 2011, I worked at a uh, station with, uh, uh, my captain, um, of my crew was, uh, he owned a, uh, CrossFit gym up in Temecula and he basically like taught me what CrossFit was and I liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, I thought it was definitely translatable to the job to get me prepared for the, the demands of the job. So I started doing it. I joined CrossFit Invictus in 2012 and initially it was just to be fit for the job and I was very, really casual with it, but I did my first competitions in 2013. I did the California firefighter Olympics and the U S police fire games, CrossFit events, and, uh, really fell in love with the competitive side of it. And so I started being competitive. Um, so I still compete, but my main motivation is to be fit for the job. I'm not, I'm not. And I, I have to say like, um, there was a time on the job that I think I was more focused on being a good competitive CrossFitter than I was being a fit and and good fireman. And my skills definitely uh, suffered as a result of that because I put too much emphasis on, you know, the, the competitive CrossFit side of things. And I never made it to like the games or anything. I, I do the open every year and I'm consistently in the top, uh, what, like 2% of everybody in my age group that competes. But that's a long, being in that category is a long way away from being the people that are competing at the CrossFit games. So, so I was never at that level, but I was trying to be, I was focused on trying to be the best competitive CrossFitter I could be. And I, my, my skills as a firefighter suffered because I spent too much time focused on that. Do you feel it's a balance then, right? Because I feel the same way. I think it's important, you know, fitness in general, um, 
for for being for a firefighter, we need to be strong. We also need to have endurance. We need to be. We have to have muscle stamina. You know, we have to be. Uh, we have to have a level of fitness because the nature of the job, like I said before, our standard is nine one one. When people call nine one one, they expect a superhero to show up. That's really what they expect. Yeah, right. And, and none of us are superheroes. No, We're no. just people. Yeah. So we do the best we can to prepare ourselves. And as far as the physical fitness side of things, we need to do it all. We need to be able to lift heavy shit. We need to be able to run for long distances or row, bike, whatever it is, go for long distances. We need to be able to do all of it. And CrossFit does a good job of preparing us for that, but it's not everything. I think it's important for us to try every, everything that we can that we enjoy that's going to help us get fit for the job. So, so that's why I think, honestly, me and Justin, like the way we are, like, like we are like brothers. You could tell anybody that, but what I love about Justin is that we'll be at an O2X conference or FDIC and we're both competitive. So he might tell me we're doing a crossword workout today. I'm not going to say no to him, but guess what? The next day we're doing heavy deadlifts and he's not going to say no to me. So I feel like we push each other to try other things. Yeah, I'll make him do burpees and he'll lift me. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll make me have, yeah. lift heavy yeah. yokes. San Diego, I, he had a deadlift record. I had to do five burpees. Like, I, it was the worst day of my life. Reluctantly, he did all. <laughs> he well, did you hit on a very good point, though. I, I talked about this in this interview I did earlier where we're all different. You know what I mean? And there's this whole thing like, oh, what should what should a firefighter workout look like? And it's like, what it, what, what does a firefighter like to do? So you can be exactly. a great triathlete and that can be your passion, but just understand that, that you're going to have to do some, some strength work because you're purely, you know, mainly an endurance athlete, or you can be a Highlands Games comp- competitor. Well, that's awesome, but you've got to work on the cardio side. So take whatever sport that you love and make that the nucleus of your training, but just understand for the specificity of the job, wherever that discipline is lacking, that's what you have to work on. It doesn't have to be all the time. Do primarily strength work, but throw some some cardio in, and then you're going to be a well-rounded athlete for this profession. So now that leads me to – I want to ask you a question now because um, I know <laughs> I'm dead set on, on this. My views is – what is your take on working out at the firehouse at work? All right. So for me, coming from a 24-hour position where it's one day on, two days off and pretty much my whole career, um, so that's a third of your time is at the station. So if you want to be a good athlete, you know, you're not resting that day clearly because you're getting your ass handed to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of working out and, and the thing that, that you, the knee-jerk question is like, oh, what if you get a fire? And my honest opinion is obviously I'm not going to do fucking Murph in the Miami heat. See, that's what I you want know, to in the middle of that's so, what I want to hear. But I'm going to work out to a point where if I throw on my bunker gear and I'll leave everything open and I'll have coconut water on the way to the fire, then it's it's a little bit more than a warm-up, but it's no different than if I'd worked on the fire ground for 10 minutes. But having the mentality that you're not going to work out and shift is so counterproductive because if I get a fire, my recovery is such where by the time we get there, I'm going to be almost 100% and guarantee the guys, the men and women that do work out are still going to perform so much better than the people that use that as an excuse not to work out. Exactly. Because I, I agree with you what you said there because I don't believe in working out at work like that. You're right. You want to work out, don't work out heavy. Like you're not doing a heavy leg day. You know, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you're doing a 24 because then you might have a high-rise bar. Um, I'm a big you know, guy. I'm like, you want to do a little cardio? You want to do light weights? Yes, but don't go heavy. 
because then you have to do your job, you know? Like, I think what you said was perfect on one, like, perfect in general, you know what I said? I, I just all wrapped up now. I disagree, I disagree a little bit with Billy on it. Uh, Here we go. And, this, and, is <laughs> this is what I'm waiting for. And this is, I guess, ding, ding. This is my bottom line. Our, when we're on duty, it's our responsibility to be ready. So whatever we're doing while we're on duty, we have to be ready. That's why we don't, you know, just go run whatever errands we want while we're on duty because we're on duty. And when the tones drop, you know, like I just heard recently somebody said that and it's something I've been trying to work on lately, especially they said when the tones drop, it's no longer your time. That time belongs to the RP or the or the person in need, whoever's calling 911. Well, that should be all day, though. Right. You're, you're there all day to help somebody because you never know when the tones drop. True. So here's I guess here's my bottom line is you have to always be ready. I don't think working out is a is a bad thing. I think it's, it's but how 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 hard are you going though. That's my thing. Yeah. So I think that you always go. Um, are you gonna go to like exhaustion and then you gonna get on a rig? No. See, that's what I'm talking about. Guys, do that. And I'm yeah. like, why are you doing that? I think you're. I, I think you're agreeing, not disagreeing. <laughs> I think I'm going I think we're 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 agreeing overall, but. Sometimes I squat heavy. Sometimes I lift heavy when I'm at work. No, the next one I got you, I'm ready for. But, my, but my here's port- the thing. Are you are you heavy or you're going to absolute failure? Yeah, like you can't walk for yeah. five minutes. Right. And so I'm not doing that. So, that's, so you're that's sensible my heavy. You can do heavy. Right. You can do exactly. a wad where you're tired. But right. you, you know that your capacity is same with Will and same with me. That if we get banged out, it needs to be the intensity where if it's like a five minute drive to wherever you're going, by the time you get there, you might be dripping sweat on the patient or, you know, hot in your gear, but you're basically going to be able to perform pretty much whatever you're going to perform. Okay, you're right. As long as you can perform. Whatever you do while you're out on duty shouldn't prohibit you from being able to respond when 911 is called. It should, you should be doing things that are preparing you for that because that's why we're there. We're on duty to respond to 911. Everything that we get to do while we're on duty is all extra, you know? And so um, when you're working out, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't, you know, that's not the time to really test your red line. That's not the time to, to try to go for your one mile time trial. I'll agree with you know? that's okay. not, I agree, yeah. And that's also not the time to try that, to yeah. lift your heaviest yoke that you've ever lifted. You're not going to put 800 pounds on your back and then go to fire. Right. You can still work within those that that spectrum where you're pushing yourself, but at all times you have to be ready for those tones to drop. It's no longer your time. It now belongs to the people that are calling 911. Yes. And when they call you, they're expecting a superhero to show up. So anything that we're doing that um, prohibits us from showing up and doing our best superhero impersonation um that's what we need to be focused on is having that proper balance so yes. okay i go hard in workouts when i'm on duty but i'm always mindful of no tones are drop. do i have food on the rig do i have water on the rig do i am i prepared you know am i am i fatigued going into this workout already because i've been working multiple days in a row and i haven't really slept that much or life is busy and i haven't really slept that much or whatever it is you have to be responsible for that yourself. And I'm my, my crew might be all about it. My crew might be like, hey, let's do a, let's do a circuit. Yeah. And if I'm not prepared, I shouldn't just say, all right, yeah, I'll do it. And then I Don't end up being yeah. – so you know, I end up being on the – like the goal of the workout at a firehouse is not to leave you on the floor after. It's to get you prepared to be able to respond. So you have to keep that in mind. In my, in my, you know, in, in my opinion – 
sometimes that means I will lift heavy. I will back squat heavy. I will deadlift heavy. I will, you know, do but like we said, you, won't, you won't go to exhaustion. You're going to failure. Yeah, I won't. Not go failure. I won't do this. I won't do this. I won't have the same intensity that I have when I'm off duty and yeah. I'm at the gym and I'm training for something specific. So. And, here's, and here's my next one. You ready for this one? It's probably going to piss a lot of people off. Go for it. I'm a New Yorker, so I don't care. Um, what is your take? And I'm going to ask Justin too. On working out, are you in a bunker no, no, I am. I <laughs> no, because you did a podcast a long time ago. I was listening to it with a couple guys, and I don't know where they're from, but you talked about this, and I've been waiting to ask you this question too, and I wanted to give you my response on working out in bunker gear. Oh yeah, that was probably John Spearer and Pip. Oh, that was two, him. Yep, the because they have conflicting views. Um, yeah, so my view is is super simple. Super simple. Firstly, common fucking sense, you don't work out in gear that's covered in carcinogens. That that should be thrown out the window because that's just common sense. You know what I mean? So if you're questioning that. (laughs) So secondly, though, the same was what I love about CrossFit. What I love about Strongman is you, you, the, the only place you can really do get uncomfortable in gear is at work. You got your pack there, you know, you got everything that you need that you're going to be doing. So if you are not training in gear, especially if you're using that as an excuse or where I'm from in Florida, oh, it's too hot. Well, when are you going to get your fires, dipshit? It's hot like eight months of the year here. So again, you have to use common sense where you're not going to put yourself through a smoke diver day in your gear. But if you don't get uncomfortable and get that feeling of, I just want to rip this gear off every so often, then you, like Justin said, are you truly ready to respond where you haven't put your gear on for months and months and months? Or if you have, it's just to take your 9-11 selfie and then take it back off again, put it on Instagram. I love that Instagram stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's one of those things that the fire gear is, I hate it in the fact that I can feel so good moving in shorts but I put the gear on. It's never the exertion that beats me down. It's the heat. I get so oh, yeah, so hot. So to me, that's how you create getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Because in that worst day, when your adrenaline's pumping, Murphy's Law is going to be in the middle of summer. You know, it's it's going to be 20 fucking floors up and the elevators are, da- are down. You have to be able to recreate that worst, that worst case scenario. Now, you know, obviously, ideally, when you're going to redline, that kind of stuff needs to be in a training environment where you're off. You're not responding to calls. But when you are, it's the same exact thing as we were talking about with the CrossFit or the Strongman on shift. Is just get somewhere where you're not comfortable. You don't have to kill yourself. Take regular breaks, rehydrate. But if you're not working out your gear, then you're immediately setting yourself up for failure when you need to perform wearing all that stuff on you. No, what kind of work are we talking about? Like I'm talking like you guys are doing deadlifts or doing all this stuff. I like doing Strongman stuff in gear. Because it's pertinent to what we do. So that's rather, what I'm saying exactly. Like doing that, or you know, maybe raise a 35 foot ladder, advance a two and a half hose line, like tire flips. I get it, but like I'm talking about guys deadlifting or going to the gym. There, that bothers me because you're right. It's for Instagram. It's for the gram. Yeah, but it is. Like, what's it? What else is it doing for you? Yeah, and I'll I'll do that. I'm gonna actually got something. We got a rig in our gym that I've got an idea for a you know clickbait fun thing in gear but it's gonna say when i post it this has nothing to do with real world you know real world stuff this is you know poodle tricks as they call it but yeah so there's there's a lot of movements i think they're very dangerous with a pack on your back in bunker gear you know what i mean so you have to be smart and that's why i love sleds and sandbags and, and kettlebells is you can leave all the stuff on the rig so just like you said if you get banged out 
the hoses, the hoses where it's supposed to be, the ladders are, you know, on the rig, but you can drag strongman stuff around all day and replicate pulling a patient, advancing a hose loan, carrying dead weight. Sandbags are yeah. dead weight. So that that's my thing is if you're gonna get in gear, you're simulating fireground tasks. So set yourself up a scenario, like a twenty minute scenario where you're moving that stuff from A to B and it will whoop your ass. Yeah. Okay, I'm done interviewing you. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about well, Ju- let's hear Justin's I, take on that? Well, I, I want to hear Justin's. Yeah, I, I, I agree with. Uh, I agree. I see both sides of it because um, I had a friend that was getting ready for Fire Academy, and she, you know, wasn't used to training in turnouts. You know that she was going to have to be in all day, every day during Academy. So she asked. She said, "Hey, can we do some workouts and turnouts?" So we did it, you know, um, obviously it was clean turnouts or whatever, cleanish, you know, as clean as it could be. Um, but, uh, the goal of the workout was to get her comfortable in an uncomfortable environment, which is what our turnouts are. Um, so it's important as fire, in my opinion, it's important as firefighters that we're, that we understand that uncomfortable environment and that we're used to it, that we're, you know, we're putting our gear on. I mean, you shouldn't, Hopefully you're fortunate enough that you're not going multiple shifts without putting your gear on. You know, hopefully you're, you're going to calls and you're, you're doing that. But um, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. We can't judge people's intentions, though. I mean, sometimes you see a video and you see somebody working on turnouts and you automatically think they're just doing it for a show. But uh, some time, time though. But you don't know. Like right now, I'm training for the uh, Seattle stair climb. It's coming up in two weeks, and in order God, to get ready, I'm getting on the stair climber in my full gear, breathing air, and that's like probably one of the best things I can do to get ready to do the climb, you know, as fast as possible in my gear, breathing air. Um, oh, like strong men don't like stairs, by the way. That's my enemy. So I think it's, I, I think it's, I, I think just you know, be smart about it, obviously, um, and yeah, but you. That you can't always judge people's intentions because you don't know. I've done fundraisers where we've worked out in our gear in order to like show people how challenging it can be to like move around in our gear and all that stuff. And it's to raise money. We've done that to raise money for the Seattle Stair Climb and other events. Um, yeah, I've done workouts in gear, you know, like um, just trying it out to see how uncomfortable it felt and all that. And I think it makes me better when I'm on the fire ground and I'm making, you know, uh, difficult movements and all that stuff. I think it's just, it's all about your intention behind it, which is hard to judge. So but I think, I think you hit, you hit the strong point where I was coming. I was at guys are bringing gears to the gym where it's like, you don't yeah. do a fire and now it's like you're exposing people to carcinogens. And it's right. Like, it's not right. And it's just not the intention behind that is not for necessarily for good. It's for show. Yeah, it's for sure. Anything you're doing for show is just, and like, you know, you know me, you met me before I'm, I'm the kind of guy who'll call you out. I don't care. Like, yeah. Me. And it should be called out. Yeah. You know, like, we shouldn't be doing this. I'm, not looking, I'm not looking for followers. I'm just like, why are we, why are we doing that? Right. Well, and it's that middle ground as well. So I do Murph in my gear every, every year when it's Murph, but I wear a vest rather than a pack because a pack is not conducive to, you know, getting smacked in the head every time you, you know, you drop down. <laughs> but it's right. a great workout to go to a nasty place, do very basic safe movements with, with a vest. Um, and again, I wear sneakers. I don't wear my helmet, you know, but I'm in all the gear. So it's that heat. Um, and that, and that's great. And I think that as long as people understand, Hey, I'm just going to throw this gear on and do, do something just, just, just for, for fun. That's fine. But handstand walks with a pack. If you, if people see that and think, Oh, this is how I train. This is my goal. 
no, that's not <laughs> that's not something you should you should aim for. Lift, you know, look to to carry more weight, push and pull more weight if you want to if you want to um, advance and or get really good at gymnastics in regular gear. And I think that's just it is the the the, the common sense middle ground again is is where it's at. You know, the, yes, you can do some flashy stuff. Understand that's just this person's a great CrossFitter, threw on some gear, did a funny video, awesome. But that's not teaching everyone this is what your goals are for Fireground yeah. Fitness. Yep. Right. Well, I want to transition to um, – let's go to 555 first. So 555 Fitness, <laughs> obviously a great organization helping raise funds to buy equipment for stations that can't afford it. So how did you guys both get into, involved with that? Well, you go first. Yeah, I've been there for longer than I have. So in uh, 2016, I did the I competed in the firefighter throwdown, which used to be a firefighter CrossFit um, competition, and it was in San Diego in January of 2016. And um, I met uh, Pip and Ava and Larry Mancuso, who was the founder of Five 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 Fitness. Um, I met them at the event. They told me a little bit about what they did. I didn't really get it, but um, saw the the little dude with a mohawk and uh, be- a beautiful model, <laughs> Ava. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't know what this is, but you know, they seem cool. And then in August of that year, I competed at the other firefighter throwdown that was in Atlanta, and something clicked about it. Then I understood their mission. I saw that the whole goal of Five 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 Fitness was to specifically reduce preventable um, line of duty deaths. So mostly cardiac related line of duty deaths. And the fact that 40 to 50 firefighters are dying almost every year of cardiac events and it's almost entirely, I mean, almost 100% preventable. Um, I saw that that was their mission and I told Pip then that I wanted to get on board and do what I could to support the mission. And he ended up coming to San Diego um, that fall and we talked about um, you know, how I could support what I could do. And he basically just said, I said, okay, what can I do to help out? And he said, well, what do you want to do? And that's kind of how it's grown from there. So I became like a core member of 555 Fitness that fall. Um, that's how I got involved. Uh, I think, uh, well, I grew up with Pitt, like in the area. I knew a lot of people. I grew up in Jersey. Um, I found them online. Um, I wanted to get involved because I brought, once we talked before, is that I brought a different aspect or avenue of fitness than CrossFit. Because I felt like when 555 was started, it was a bunch of CrossFitters. Um, I'm a big dude. Um, I want to show, you know, firefighters that are big, like, hey, I can do what you can do too. So it shows you that you don't just have to do a certain type of exercise. You can do my exercise. So I talked to Piff. I, I found everybody, and um, he wrote me in. Um, I met CJ, Jimmy, you. I didn't like you when I met you. <laughs> you ever see? You ever meet a guy where you're like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be like a douchebag," and then he turns out to be your best friend? That was drunk. <laughs> he comes into my firehouse on St. Patty's Day with a bow tie with his mustache, and I'm like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" The next thing you know, we're doing we're karate doing, yeah. in his garage. Yeah, you know, building bunk beds. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I started with five 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 because I wanted them to get um like strongman involved. So they they took my shirt, the traps are new abs, and um. I told him, listen, all the money that goes to those shirts, put it to a 555. And I started going to shows with them. And what I saw was, is you walk around, you know, these shows, these conferences, FDIC, all these like EMS shows, and you see the bigger firefighter looking at like a guy like Justin, 
or a guy like Levi, you know, their own shape is like, I can't do that. And then all of a sudden they see me, I'm like, you're going to do it. And they're like, oh, you're a big dude. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And all of a sudden they're, they're delicate 30 pounds and they never knew they could. So I wanted to bring the aspect that like, I want to show, hey, you're a bigger fireman. You can do it because I can do it. There's no excuse. So that's how I think I got involved in 555 is I want to help the bigger firefighter out there, you know. And that's kind of what, if you want to lead to an O2X, it's the same way. Yeah, so. well, we will, yeah. But it, you're absolutely right, though. There needs to be a diverse group of um, faces is the wrong word, but just just advocates. Because, yeah, if you're, you know, the the super slim endurance athlete saying, hey, fireman, you need to come come join us. And yeah. I don't think guys going to be like, no. Yeah, exactly. And vice versa. If it's, all, like, okay. if it's all wills and some, you know, someone pip size comes then they're going to be like well i don't relate to what you're you're trying to tell me you know so yeah and that's what i see with the 555 group as it is men women different shapes and sizes you know different sporting backgrounds and that's that's it it's kind of like we were saying before find your nucleus find what you find what you want to do not that you have to do what do you want to do and then build off that i also i also think too that um what makes 555 really great and i'm proud to be part of is we're all humble like, I remember, like, I had, I had, I had a strongman show yesterday in, in Brooklyn, and this guy drove up from South Carolina just to do it because I was there. He was like, wow, you inspired, you know, you inspired me to do this. And I was like, who, me? I'm, I'm just a fireman, you know? So I, I think that makes us thrive is that we're all humble about what we do. There's no insta-famous. There's no look at me, I'm the man. It's, it's we're all here for a core mission, as Justin says. You know, I, Justin has the right thing when he says the mission. And it's not about us. It's about the mission helping firefighters. And everybody in 555 is so humble. And it's like, yeah, we're just regular people, right? Yeah. I mean, 555 Fitness was founded by Larry Mancuso, who's a firefighter in Texas. And his his ambition was to inspire firefighters to take personal responsibility for their health and fitness. And specifically to reduce cardiac-related line-of-duty deaths, but also to just live a healthier, more fit lifestyle you know and so that's that has remained the mission of 555 through everything that we've done pip is the uh robert pip rose a lieutenant with new brunswick fire and, new jersey. Uh, new, yeah, new jersey um and he's the director of 555 fitness and he does a great job of kind of guiding the organization and you know making connections with with uh civilian companies that that hear our mission, they hear about what's going on and they see the work that we're doing and they, they get on board with it and we need them in order to survive and thrive and, and make the impact that we're doing. I mean, the reason why the South Carolina firefighter comes up to do the strongman competition is because he's inspired by what Billy's doing on social media. Yeah. A lot of people lot of, in the fire service, there's, there's a lot of negative connotation with social media. And I get that a lot of people use social media for a lot of bad stuff or a lot of, you know, self, self stuff, yeah. yeah, like selfish stuff. But five 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 fitness basically exists on social media, and we use it to inspire other firefighters and to share our mission with non firefighters, so that they understand that when we say forty to fifty firefighters die of cardiac events while responding to, while working at, or following, you know, not just fires but medical aids, traffic accidents, all that stuff. If we could prevent one of those then let's do it. Like that's what we're driven by. If we, if we can save one life, you know, then that keeps a firefighter on with his crew, with his family 
um, living a healthier, fit lifestyle. You know, that's what we're going after. There is no perfect picture. There is no, this is what a firefighter should look like. You are what you are. And you do the best you can at where you're at. And all shapes and sizes, all backgrounds, all, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I can't do the stuff that Billy can do. And, and he can't do the stuff that I do. But you handstand push-up stuff. Like <laughs> but, but, yeah, handstand pull-ups. Handstand pull-ups. Pull <laughs> somebody's actually probably trying that right yeah, now. We're going to yeah, 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 see how to do it. Challenge now. So, you know, the, the bottom line is that we, we work together in order to um, – you know, to do the job, you know, when we're talking about just doing the job, like our crew dynamics, you know, they work better when we're all different. We're not, we're all the same. That's no fun. You know, and, and but, what, I, what I like about five, 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 nine, we cut you off, but like, is that, you know, every time in the news, like there's a building collapse or a firefighter dies in a fire, it's like a big thing in the news. Not all the times you hear about the cardiac related firefighter deaths. So that's what five, five, five is trying to like, you know, show guys, you know, show people like, Hey, like, it's a real epidemic out there. Yeah. It is an epidemic. You know, it, it is. It's just a lifestyle change and how people are. And sometimes, like, I'm I'm blessed with strongman because I was going down that road. And sometimes it's too late. You don't know that you're like, oh, you're done. You know? It's, it's controlling the controllable like we talked about. And if we can prevent, you know, we can, prevent, we can reduce this num- the, the number of cardiac events that are, you know, they're leaving families left behind, you yeah. know, and I mean, this job is inherently dangerous and we're going to face dangers. There's things that are going to happen to us we that, can control. that, yeah, that we can't control, yeah. but that's one area that we can, our health and our fitness, um, our, our, you know, um, our wellness, we can do a lot more to protect ourselves. And so that's what five, five, five fitness is all about. That's how we met. That's how we met. And then like we, and then just real quick, before we, how we met was like, I want to show the big guy it's not too late because sometimes mentally they're like, oh, that's just, this is my life. And it's yeah. like, no, it's not. Yeah. I was there. I'm a big guy. I'm 6'4", 280. Like, y- you can change. Like, we're here to help you. There's, you know, like, you know, we talk about PTSD and all this stuff. There's outlets for people, okay? We're an outlet for somebody that's out of shape that wants help. We get free workouts. Like, I'm the kind of guy, and Justin's the same way. That's why I think we're, 555 is good. Is if you DM me and be like, hey, I need help, I will take my personal time to be like, hey, let's go. Because we're, we're here to help you. There's, I don't want to hear there's a no, there's not here. We're here to help you. You know, like, and that's what thing makes us thrive more. Yeah, we're all we're all led by the mission to be exactly the best firefighters that we can be and also the healthiest and fittest. That's what is that's what drives five 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 fitness. That's what drives each of us. That's why we our connection is tight. And lead by example, right? We yeah. compete. Like I'm not gonna sit there and eat potato chips and tell you how to get in shape. Like I'm yeah. out there, you know, competing. Well, I eat a lot maybe, of potato chips. Maybe though. today, because it's my rest day. We had bacon today. I love potato chips. Oh my man. god, I will tell you, that's, that's nonstop like, at the firehouse. I can live on that. But, but that's why we compete <laughs> because, like, I'm not going to sit there and tell you how to like lose weight or tell you're going to do this, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think that helps us when they see that we're actually competing across the trolling games. You know, and the challenge, well, the challenge that we face is that. Still, every year, forty to fifty firefighters are still dying. You know, uh, it's a culture thing, man. So we have a, we have a lot of work to do in order to to you know you're to stop either, You're not stopping. Well, that's why I did the podcast, though. You know, is that the fitness is one element. It's like trying to fix PTSD, just stopping us see the bad shit. You got the whole other side of the the coin, which is the way the way that we we work. You know, so there are there are physiological reasons why. The fit young men and women struggle with their weight ten years in. You know, sleep and all these other areas. You know, their testosterone's in the toilet. 
you know, their hormones are all fucked up. So I think that's another thing about it is educating our men and women and be like, hey, you are set up for failure. Understand that. And again, it's not malicious. It's just we got to fucking stop tiptoeing around this issue. We, the way we do our job sets us up for failure. So if you, the guys that you see that are still in shape, that's despite the job, not because of the job. So if you found yourself 50 pounds, 100 pounds heavier, depressed, going through marital problems, whatever, there's the ownership side. Yes, you should put down the potato chips and get to the gym. But the reason why you haven't got the fucking energy to do that is to do with the shifts. If you were fired up when you first entered the job and now you feel like a slug, there are also biological reasons for that. Exactly. It's not that you have given up. And I think that it's empowering for people. Once they look around and go, you mean the lack of sleep is doing this to me? Like, yes. Okay, now I'll stop blaming myself. And actually that will motivate me to actually start looking for solutions. I'm going to focus more on sleeping better when I'm at home. I'm going to maybe watch what I drink when I'm at home. That's going to get me a little bit more energy the next day. Now, okay, shit. Now I feel like going for a walk around the station. You know what I mean? But if it's just we just focus on the fitness and you see some of these people that have these online accounts that are like out of you know out of shape firefighters or a disgrace to the fire service and all this bullshit so, yeah but the ones yeah well the ones that don't you know? care yes but there's a yeah, lot that do that so yeah so you just need to you need to get this crossroads and get people to understand it's it's probably not you it's probably what's happened to you so yes you have to start developing that ownership but also look around at things that you can do to improve all the other elements that are then in turn going to help you get back into the gym on the bike in the pool whatever it is so do you think though too is like it's an alpha thing too like we're farming like nothing can bother us nothing can hurt us and then somebody else that's a farm is like hey no man you need help like, you feel like, I, I can do this. Oh, I can do this the next day. Like, I'm a man like, or a woman. Like, I can do this. Like, do you feel like that's a problem too, though? I think it's the cop-out. It it's the cop-out, and you it hear this at every department where, well, well, Steve Jones is out of shape, and you should see him on the fire ground. He's, a, he's an animal. And so everyone thinks that Steve Jones is, is the, the person that they should be like. No, Steve Jones might be great. Might be an amazing hook man. It might be, you know, incredible... Um, you know, on a fire ground, but he's also hypertensive, got cardiac issues, on a bag full of meds. So just because he we can don't perform, know, right. yeah. So is he healthy? Can he do the job, or is he healthy? The goal is to get people healthy. So we mix those two together, and we use the out of shape fireman that's still able to do the job well, with lights a cigarette after the time he's done with the fire, as the kind of go to that's not who you want to set as your pinnacle he he's getting away with it for now but the goal is to also get him on board so that he's able to enjoy his retirement instead of dropping dead two days after being an awesome fireman so that goes into my strongman thing too is that there are big guys like i competed with um yesterday uh this guy he's in uh, south carolina lower country he's a big dude but he's his blood work comes in good He's in shape. He can run circle around guys, but he doesn't look like the calendar fireman that they want him to be. So my thing with the brave and strong man, strong man guys are that I'm trying to show, you know, people like, hey, we can be big, but we also be fit and in shape. Yeah. See, and that's different. If he's healthy and big, that's, oh, a, that's, a, that's a different soul, you know, but the problem is that's not who they normally hold as their. Yeah, but guess who's making fun of him? It's the guy smoking a cigarette with a beer belly that's eating bacon grease in the morning. Yeah, because he's scared. Because yes. he, he knows when he looks in the mirror that he's not that 18-year-old stud that he used to be. And the problem is, you can be again. 
you can. You can be pretty damn close to that. I mean, you I know, mean, I'm, yeah, I was. I mean, I was overweight. I hated life, and now, like I said, I found strong, man. I, I I love it. Yeah, but you have to have a set of balls and go. You know what? I have slipped. I'm not where I want to be. Exactly. I want to be able to see my dick when I go to the toilet. It sounds really I can harsh. Now. I can now. It sounds harsh, but it's true. You know, I mean, like all these perfect example. We're all sold this thing that erectile dysfunction is some sort of disease. Erectile dysfunction is a terrifying precursor to a heart attack. Yes. You know what I mean? And we're never sold it that way. We're like, oh, just take the pill and your wiener will work again. No, get get in shape, lose the weight, and you will find your sex life will suddenly bloom again. That's what you need to be focusing on. If you're not motivated by being <laughs> a good fireman. We'll do a whole podcast on that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. It's a different conversation. That's a, sure. Hey, yo, my God. You want something? <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole, whole on that one. Trust me. We can do East Coast, West Coast. You got to find the buy-in. Like, you know, if if you don't care about if the job and understanding that life's depending on you does not motivate you, then think about your penis working again. Let's let's start with <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> if that doesn't motivate you, nothing. Well, just going back, I mean, when Brad Hurst, Anaheim Fire Captain, sat me down in 2005 and told me how the fire, how being a firefighter was going to change my life, one of the things he talked about was being physically fit. And he is—he's been an example throughout his career of maintaining his own personal fitness in order to be the best firefighter that he can be. And when he sat me down and said, "Prepare yourself," that's what he was talking about. He was talking about control the controllables, do the best you can to prepare yourself when you show up for duty. That you're well trained, that you're—you've you know been working hard in the books, you know for the job, and you're also been working hard in the gym to be prepared. And um, it's, it's all about buy-in. It's all about our personal responsibility. Because we can, I mean, I've, I've gone down the road of trying to you know, tell fat firefighters, you know, you need to be more fit or telling unfit firefighters you need to be more fit or whatever. That doesn't work. And it's not fair for me. Like, who, in all honesty, like, who the fuck am I to tell a guy that's been on the job for 20 years that he's too fat to do the job? Well, he's done the job for 20 years. So the goal should not be this is what you should look like as a firefighter. It is, am I, am I ready for when 911 is called to do the variety of things that 911 is going to ask me to do? And if you can't answer that question with, you should, I think that all of us should answer that question uh, with some fear. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can do what I'm going to be asked to do because I haven't gone to that call that blew my mind, you know? And yeah, I've been, I've been okay so far, but, there's a reason why 40 to 50 firefighters are dying of cardiac events, and it didn't just all of a sudden happen. It's been a ticking time bomb that eventually went off. Yeah, and so our, our hope is not to create model uh, firefighters. Our, our goal with 555 and you know, with you know, really our mission and with what me and Billy are all about is to try to get people to see I can be prepared. I can do it. I can do more. And it's all about getting that why, that buy-in, you know, like – um, that's kind of why I started. That's why kind of why me and Justin are really close to each other because you're right. We are both different body types. Totally. And like body, I said, we yeah. can't do we can't do what each other can do. But I want Billy to be the best and fittest firefighter that he can yeah, be. That's, same, you know, that's different than me. And ultimately, we're talking about our lives. Yeah. When Brad sat me down and, and drew that roadmap, he was talking about my life, not just my career as a firefighter, but my life outside of that. And that's the nature of our job. It affects us. So. We are trying to do the best we can to prepare ourselves to be able to be more resilient in the face of those demands. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing that gets lost when you are a motivated firefighter trying to motivate your peers is that there's no downside. Like when you get better at your job, here's the kicker. A, your penis is going to work. We just discussed that. But B... That's a good motivator. I'm it, it, is. That. it is. I'm going to have to come up with a good t-shirt. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Hey, I, I know a guy who can make those. <laughs> but the other thing is, it's longevity. Like what's the only carrot apart from our in, inert, or excuse me, in there, innate love of the job, which we all have because this is the best fucking job in the world. Um, what's the other motivator? It's when I retire. Oh, you fireman, you get such great benefits. We all know that that's slowly getting, you know, less and less true. But the, the men and women are chasing that carrot on the end of the stick, the retirement. Well, let me ask you this. If you let your health slip, on average, we die five years after retirement. But you yeah. can change that. You can say, you know what, state of California, state of Florida, you're going to be paying me for a fucking long time because I'm eating well, I'm exercising, my wiener is working goal, amazingly. Right? You know, and so, yeah, so that's it. So when you're trying to motivate these people, if being ready for the job is not doing it, the other side is how, how long do you want to live after retirement? Do you want to play with your grandkids? When I say play, not sit there from a motorized scooter with an O2 tank strapped to the back. Actually pay with your kids. So that's the other side. There is no downside. So if you can get these people to buy in in some way, shape or form, whether it's longevity, whether it's sexual health, whether it's actually understanding you know, the main reason now, which is to be able to get to that patient or that, that victim in the fire – it's a win-win. There's nothing wrong other than growing a set of balls or a female version, looking in the mirror and saying, I have I have fallen from where I want to be. I was given this amazing gift that is the human body and I can take it back and I can get rid of these shitty pills that I pay a fortune for every month and start moving better, be better at my job. And then when I retire, live a long retirement and enjoy the fruits of my labor. Well, you stay with your timing thing and you make a good point. So I have a guy in my firehouse. Uh, so in New York State, we have department orders that come out. And he puts it on a table for all of us, even the young guys, whatever. And the first part of the department orders is like um, how many guys like that passed away. And they're like, this guy did 20 years after his job. This guy did 30 years after the job collecting his pension. And, you know, you're right. Like, you know, it's after the job too, you have to stay in shape. Like, it's not like, hey, I'm done. Like, I went to 44 years old. Like, do I want to live two years after? Like, no, I want to enjoy my life. And like, you're right. Like, I want to like keep in shape. You know, it's it's a big factor for me because I was there. I was in the dark side where my gear didn't fit. I couldn't get up a flight of stairs. And I'm like, what happened to me? And you know, I found Hans in Global Strongman Gym, but then it led me to guys like Justin, and they keep me on the truck I'm at right now. And you're right. I think I think it's you have to. Tell yourself, hey, I need help. Yeah. You guys can talk about it. It starts today. You cannot get yesterday back, but you can start today. And if you were doing it and you fell off the wagon, that doesn't matter. It does not matter. Start again today, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's exercise. You know what I mean? It's never too late. So, yeah. You start where we're at. Yeah. You know, no matter what your goal is, you start where you're at. And and that's the day before, you know? Move forward from there. Absolutely. I want to hit on one more thing. I'm going to skip the closing questions today because uh, I got to let you guys go in a moment. Um, but I want to talk about O2X. So I went yeah. to two of the four days down in South Florida last year or the year before, I think it was. 
Um, a lot of what I talk about is very well presented in their, you know, expandable workshop, whether it's a two day, whether it's four day, a full week, an entire, you know, orientation they do with some departments like Boston. So tell me how you got involved and, and what your perception was of that company when you joined it. Well, that's all Justin first. <laughs> well, both of us got involved through our, um, through the work that we do with 555 Fitness. Um, so a lot of what 555 does is we uh, provide fitness grants with fitness for uh, uh, fitness equipment for firehouses, police departments, you know, um, that are in need, basically. So we have grants. We also do fundraisers for that. We sell T-shirts. Um, and then we have a big presence on social media. And a lot of where we go is firefighter conferences, EMS conferences, where we can share our mission with people that will hear it yeah. and understand it and, and, you know, join, you know, join in for the mission. Um, so while we were working at a couple of firefighter conferences last year um, or in 2018, sorry, um, we partnered with O2X and um, we did some work with them. We put together some workouts. Um, we talked with uh, their personnel about what they were doing, about their program and all that. And then um, I actually got offered a, a job through. Um, my work with 555, Adam LaRue, who's one of the founders of O2X, called me, offered me a job as a um, workshop lead or lead specialist. Um, and so I started, I went to, and I, in all honesty, I really didn't know um, all that O2X did. I kind of understood that their program supported our, the mission of 555, but I had no idea um, how, yeah, how incredible the program was. Yeah. He sent me to my first workshop to observe and to try to learn how to be a lead specialist, and it blew my mind because it was not only we weren't just talking about fitness. We were talking. We had um, doctors talking about sleep health. We had uh, registered dietitians talking about uh, proper nutrition for the firehouse. We had uh, yoga. It just opened up. Um, it it blew my mind that it was like I said before. It was a program that if, that. Um, address the the whole person not just a firefighter or a police officer or uh any kind of military personnel in their career it talked about their whole their whole life and it talked about how the demands of 911 affect us and so the goal is not to run from that or to get into a circle and talk about how hard our job is it's to become more resilient in the face of all those demands and that's what o2x does um, so right after that first workshop, I told Adam, I'm all in whenever I can go and, and share this program with other firefighters, I'm, I'm, I want to do it. And so 2019 was a, was my first year working, uh, with them. And I did, I was involved with 12 workshops around the country. Um, and I can't say enough about the, uh, authenticity and the humility and the professionalism of all the specialists. Um, it's an incredible organization that is, you know, run with great leadership and um, the program is so necessary for every firefighter, every police officer, anybody that's a first responder or military personnel that we would consider a tactical athlete. You need to go through this training because it opens up your eyes to what you can control, the things that you can do in order to become more resilient for when 911 is called. Um, and it affects our entire life like we've been talking about this whole time. Um, so that's how I got involved. I started working with them and then, yeah, I told, and, and I was I was recommended also. I was recommended by Pip 
um, and Bryce Long, who works for O2X, he works at headquarters. They both recommended me to Adam. Adam uh, called me based off of that. So once I got hired, I started recommending as many of the 555 Fitness crew that um, wanted to be involved. And so Billy got involved. Uh, and then uh, I did my first workshop with um, Justin. And, you know, like I told you, he's like my big brother. So I was his assistant. And um, it opened my eyes. And by the last day, I was like blown away by what this company does. And what I liked about it was our first day, we do our intros. Uh, it was Alameda County. Yeah. And I'm a New York City guy. He's a San Diego guy. So it's like, at first, they're a little, like, kind of, like, hesitate about you. But by the end, they realize that we're just all fine. We're all like, So it's like, no one's bigger than each other. And they really, like, latched on to the program. You know, I saw big guys, you know, doing push-ups and, like, rowing. I remember the big guy rowing. Like, he was, like, a monster. And it, it made me happy that, you know, people want to be fit. They want to, you know, get help. Like, I was just in D.C. with O2X with, um, this guy, Mike Wise, amazing dude. And we went through firehouses and we walked in and they didn't want to give us a time of the day. And then 20 minutes later, as we explained their portal, everybody's like, how do I sign up? Because it's it's an amazing program that they run, you know? So I'm really proud to be them because they are, I feel like O2X is definitely refining like fitness in the fire service. So I agree completely. I mean, I was I was amazed because I obviously, by that point, when, when Adam first came on the show, I'd already, you know, done a huge amount of research, had several guests, some of which actually were attached to O2X, but I talked about sleep deprivation and, you know, d- different areas, nutrition and all these things, but to have it all put together in, in that presentation and like those classes. And then the thing is, you just, you give, you sow seeds. It's not like you're working the guys out. You're showing them exercise. You're showing them different ways of putting circuits together. You're talking about mental health and yoga and, and yeah, it was such a great, a great presentation. Like everybody gets involved. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then just going back to what you were saying as well with, with we're all firemen, with these people that we see with these giant egos in the fire service, which I think are, are very rare. I don't think that's your normal person, but they're, they're out there teaching conferences. They're out there online, but I don't understand how you have, how you're arrogant as a fireman because basically you're saying, well, you know what I do? I, I fight fire and I, and I cut people out of cars and then the rest of the fire service goes, well, yeah, so, so do I like what? But that's why I think, that's why I think like when we go to these firehouses, that's why I love about O2X. Like we come there as just firemen. And when like, you walk into a firehouse, like they think you're trying to sell you insurance, but now all of a sudden it's like, Hey guys, I'm a fireman like you. And now they hear that and they're like, okay, maybe I'll listen to this guy. Cause he's like us, you know? So it's not like some random person coming in with like a bunch of letters out there and they try to teach you something. It's like, hey guys, I'm a dumb fireman, you know, cutting a door, you know, like you. And it, we relate to them. Yeah. You know? And they learn. And and at the end of the workshop, these guys are like, thank you. That was an amazing feeling. Yeah. And you are, you're giving them tools. You're not saying this is how you should work out. This is how you should eat. You're teaching principles and they can take it back and it's planting seeds. And then yeah. they'll be like, wait a second. You know what? The way... Whether it's sleep hygiene at home or whether hopefully one day in the fire service you actually look at the work week, you're educating them like, hey, here's what this job is doing to you. Here's why you're feeling this way. Here's why you struggle with your weight. Here's why, you know, you you have undue stress at work, you know, all these things. And that's how you change the fire service is education. You have to you have to give people the tools to start questioning things. And then, you know, the tools that they can actually apply things that will truly make a difference in their mental and physical health. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's spot on. Right. Well, I'm going to have to let you guys go. It has been so much fun. I've loved this dynamic. It's been extremely informative. I think we've definitely not, not busted myths, but given three different perspectives on some common myths and questions in the fire service on fitness and, and, you know, motivation. Um, but I can see us doing another one. I think the next time we do this, we should do it face to face all in the same room though. Sounds yeah. Good. Up in New York City, right? Brilliant, yeah. I'm hoping to come up early summer, so we'll see if... Uh... Please let me know, man. I got a place for you to stay. Brilliant. All right. Well, I want to thank you both for an amazing, amazing conversation. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been fun, man. This has been great. Brilliant. Well, just before we let you go, so where can people find you if they want to reach out? Uh, I'm at, at the Bravest Strongman Club on IG. Uh, that's kind of where I do all my business. So. And then Justin? I'm at, at Zogdog, Z-O-G-D-O-G-G. Um, cause I'm a, yeah because i'm a spook dog <laughs> fan um that's where you can find me on instagram um i'm on facebook justin herzog or you can come to southeast san diego and find me at 12s in lincoln park you might have a myspace too no myspace not on tinder <laughs> right grinder if you can find me on that <laughs> Yeah. No worries. Hey, and I just wanted to say, uh, I'm I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. This is really significant. This yeah, is you, um, you pop my cherry, by the way. So <laughs> this, these podcasts that you're doing, yeah. it's really making a big impact. We're and, honored to be on it, actually. And more than just the fire service, more than just the first responder community, you're making a big impact in the whole world. Yes, so thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. I know it's not easy. I know it's hard work. I mean, we just talked your ear off for about three hours, and that's <laughs> pain in the ass. So, um, but it's important. The the guests that you're having on. Um, the work that you're doing, man, it's really making a Thank huge you. impact. So. We're actually, we're honored to be part of like, Absolutely. we're looking at some of your guests, we're like, we're just fun firemen. Yeah. And like, you have so many awesome guests. Can you try, can you title this uh, conversation with two knuckleheads? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's technically three knuckleheads because I'm a dumb fireman too. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, we all, we all been to the Iron Horse. <laughs> exactly. There it is.